0: So when we're looking for more balance, which to me means looking for less time at work most of the time. That's the real thing here. We're not talking about work-life balance. We're saying, how do I actually get more of the life
1: part? The answers are around more segmented boundaries around your work. You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast episode number 568 with guest Kate Donovan. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. I'm almost positive I mentioned this in the last podcast episode, but I meant to go live on TikTok um, in the middle of November, and it was a complete disaster. (laughs) So stay tuned. Please stay tuned. I I plan to try again. It just was this whole thing. Uh, Let's talk about something better, which is fun things that are happening over here on the podcast. If you want to be coached on the show by me, then head on over to andreaowen.com slash links. And there is a button in there to push to fill out a quick application. And we will see if it's a great fit. It's absolutely free. It costs $0 to come and be coached by me. And also, what I started doing is... Uh, we do like a little quick intro, get to know you call like 10-ish minutes for us to chat before, like days before we actually jump on the call because it can be a little daunting, maybe a little intimidating to just like jump on a call with me and then t- tell me the deepest, darkest secrets of your life. And by the way, I'm going to record them for all to hear on the show. I know that can be a little scary. So I started doing the intro call. So rest assured, it will not be as scary as you might might think it is. So andreaowen.com slash links. Also over there is a two-question survey I would love for you to answer for me. If you have a second, very easy Google form for you just to push some buttons, I have a couple questions for you that helps me be of better service to you because I want to know what you guys want. You know, Contrary to what people might believe, this is not about me. <laughs> it's about you. And giving you guys exactly what it is that would be in best service for your life. So thank you very much to those of you that go and fill that out today. I have a friend of mine on who's also a colleague. Such great content and this topic that Kate has dedicated her work to is—it's so important. It's so important around burnout. It's just—I think something that doesn't get talked about enough in our society and in our culture especially for women who who do we do so much and with with not enough help I feel like. So I know burnout is a topic that many of us struggle with and you may may not even know until you're way deep in it. So Kate was on the show not too long ago. I think it was just earlier this year. We'll throw that link in the show notes and I had to have her on again because I was like some additional things I wanted to talk about. So let me tell you a little bit about her before we jump in. Oh, wait, before I do that, there's a little bit of a mic mess up. When we first start talking, a different mic was picking it up on my end, and it wasn't until several minutes into the show did I realize that that this mic, my fancy podcasting mic, was not actually picking up my audio. So you'll see, you'll, you'll hear a shift. My apologies on that little audio snafu. So let me tell you a little bit about Kate. Kate Donovan is host of Fried, the burnout podcast. She's a keynote speaker and author of the book, The Bounce Backability Factor, and a burnout aficionado. Her creative burnout recovery solutions have been featured on podcasts and online magazines such as Forbes, NPR, and the New York Post, and in companies such as Lulumon, PepsiCo, and the New York Public Library. So without further ado, here is Kate. Kate, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Again, so soon so soon. Yeah, it, it hasn't been that long. And usually, you know, I like to to pause a little bit, but we got a request from a listener. Uh, might, I think it was actually more than one. I sent out a survey and I was looking over the results from my podcast listeners. Like, what do you want to hear about? And someone said, work-life balance, exclamation <laughs> like, mark. I know who to ask then. Yeah, and here we are. And here we are. We're going to get into that in a minute, but the last time you were on, I believe it was episode five twenty eight. We'll of course link to that in the show notes. We talked a lot about burnout, which is the you know the majority of the work that you do. Yeah, and one of the things that I didn't ask you is is a term that you use called burnout culture. And so, can you tell us what that looks like? Because I have a feeling like a lot of my listeners are going to be like, "Oh, yeah, I live that every day." Burnout culture we can
0: take in a couple of different directions. First, we'll start with the directions that are taken in a book that already exists and a book that is coming out shortly or maybe is out by the time this podcast airs. The first book is called Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle, written by the Nagoski sisters.
1: I've read that one. It's great.
0: Right. So this book talks about burnout culture being part of the patriarchy, being mm -hmm. sort of women being in this position where they are now doing workload at home, workload at work, and never catching a break. And no wonder women are burning out more is sort of the an underlying premise of that book. So we have the patriarchy as part of burnout culture. And then there's a book coming out called The Culture of Burnout, I think is actually the name of it. It's by Erin Hinson and Kristen Donnelly. They are researchers at a place called Abbey Research. They're both speakers. And this book is about the Puritanism that founded this country and how those values that it instilled of hard work and individualism are drivers of burnout. So there's two perspectives there. When you look at our top 10 American values, that Puritan side really shines through. Two of our top 10 American values are hard work and individualism. So make sure it's hard and make sure you do it alone. Was this a survey if, done by... Some, I don't know
1: where they get this yeah, stuff. It's in the um, Declaration of Independence.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's written in the Constitution. It's, a, it's John Hancocked at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> if we just take those two pieces and we absorb them into our bodies through the behavior of the people around us, through the history that we're taught in school, through... A lot of people that I know in particular grew up in immigrant families are first generation Americans. So Mm -hmm. families came here and had to push and weren't relying on a lot of other people because they needed to survive. So we have that built into it everywhere around the world. It's breaking down now. But Mm -hmm. even when I was living in Poland 10 years ago, there's still this idea that America is the land of opportunity. So especially for this country, it's like as long as you can get here and really bust your tush, you'll make it. And so there's a lot of self-blame going on when you're not making it. There's a lot of refusal to ask for help because you're supposed to be able to pull up your own bootstraps. There's a lot of constant achievement, which is true in a lot of places in the world, but surprisingly not everywhere. So I lived in Prague for six years. And the Czech people are really pretty content with their law. Like, they love the Czech Republic. They don't travel outside the Czech Republic all that much as a general rule. Mm -hmm. They cross-country ski within the Czech Republic. They ski in the Czech Republic. They go to wine country in the Czech Republic. It's a country of 10 million people who really are just sort of... Okay, living the lives that they're living. Of course, it's a massive generalization, but I've never been in another place where I felt like people—most of the people that I knew that were Czech—were not constantly pushing for something more. They were like, "Oh, I'm like pretty good. I have a life that allows me to do the things I want, so I'm just gonna like keep cranking on." And I was like, "What is, What is this contentment that you speak of? <laughs> yeah.
1: What is this? What is this not striving constantly for more?" <laughs>
0: Right, like I didn't, I don't get it. I have so much ambition, but yeah. is it ambition, or is it cultural
1: poisoning? Ooh, that's a good term.
0: So, burnout culture to me is all of these underlying, insidious, invisible forces that convince us. That we're doing the things that we're doing because we want to, but we're really doing the things we're doing because we've been told that this is the right way to do it. And we haven't stopped and thought about whether or not that actually works for us or not.
1: And not only like this is the way we do it in air quotes, but you are more worthy, more uh, you're held in a higher regard if you are more productive and you check off all these boxes.
0: This is the culture, right? This is the Mm -hmm. thing. Like these are all these insidious messages that you get. The harder you work and the more you figure things out by yourself, the more praised you are. Yeah. Meanwhile, none of us has ever done anything by ourselves. Not really.
1: Right. Like ever. I had a client this year who had never, I'm pretty sure she had never worked with a a coach before and never done values work. And and if that's Mm. the case, I usually start there. And she had listed her values as independence, productivity. It was like, it was like mm-hmm. those. And I was like, oh, exactly, that's interesting. Like, and I, I knew. <laughs> yeah, like this is not the real list. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, I'm over yeah. here like, okay. So after, you know, some coaching on it, she had two lists of values and she discovered that the, the list of, you know, productivity, all of that stuff was actually her inner critic. And I mm. pointed out and I'm like, that's also your conditioning. Your culture, exactly. Your culture. And her actual values were connection, adventure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love a values exercise. And I think that sometimes I forget because we've been doing it for so long that I forget that not everyone has done it.
1: Right then they have right. no idea where to start mm-hmm. and they've
0: no, well they have no idea where to start and I have a like a a free values thing but when people do it and I ask them sometimes to send it to me and when I do it one-on-one with people I have them do it alone first mm-hmm. the first time you go through it it's
1: never what you really think it's usually what other you think other people will want from you this is burnout by. culture mm-hmm
0: that is burnout culture. The fact that you have no idea what your own values are because you have designed yourself to fit a mold that you've been told is the right one. But it's not aligned with you and it's exhausting you and it's awful.
1: Yeah. And and also a, re- a reminder that, like, you're not wrong for being in that place. No,
0: we all are in that place. That's why it's a co- we're swimming in this together.
1: Mm. We're all in this pool. We weren't given any other options.
0: No, no. And nobody is anywhere. Like right now we're talking about the U.S. We're we're being like U.S. centric, right? Right. But the U.S. values have been exported all over the world. So these are true in a lot of places. The U.S. is not the only place that experiences burnout. Mm -hmm. And then you have a place like Japan that has so many incredibly strong positive values around politeness and cleanliness and like inter care between people and relationship. and mm-hmm. yeah, like there's so many beautiful values. And the amount that they work is leading them to suicide more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that value that's built into that's their burnout culture. For mm-hmm. them, it's that thing. For us, it's these things. It'll be different for different people. But and if you have if you are a first generation immigrant in any country, you are also balancing. The culture of your family and the culture of your country. And that can be really confusing and hard to carry. You have to be an individualist, but you also have to take care of your family. You have to work really hard, but you also have to be home on time for dinner. You have to, you have to, but also, like, how do you balance that out? And you can't embarrass your parents and you have to work harder because they gave up so much for you.
1: That's a really challenging place. Plus, plus, possibly dealing with racism and xenophobia. Exactly. On top of all of that. Right, you know, you mentioned balance, and I want to get to that in just a second. But I, I also want to just point out, even more so, just for acknowledgement for people listening, that I, in one hand we have all these values that were sort of handed to us and and put up on a pedestal around productivity and just success, really. Yeah. Yes, that's a very. It was a very specific definition of what success is. As as a member of Generation X, I know you're an, an elder millennial, so there's probably some crossover here is if you are not those things like we were we were classified as the lazy generation like the slacker mm. generation and i don't exactly know where that came from i think it was probably because we were pretty much the first generation where both parents worked and we sat in front of the tv <laughs> so like we got and you know labeled for that but it it's nobody wants to be called that like nobody wants to be mm. called like the opposite of of burnout culture of what that looks like is lazy slacker Loser. Like you are an outcast if you are that. So just unless you're living in Southern California. <laughs> right. Which is where I grew up. I don't know. I won't get into it. It's just it's a, it's this whole thing. But yeah, like nobody really wanted to be labeled that. It's yuck. even just saying it now, I'm like, Ugh. okay. So talk to us about work-life balance because I, I, in my opinion there's sort of like this desperate want and need that people have sort of like this elusive like oh it's this golden ticket if i can only just get the right candy bar i can go dancing down the street and and people that don't have it feel like they're doing something wrong uh, do you know anyone that has it i know exactly zero people that have it Data. i know people that pretend but i
2: don't i do
0: too
1: them. i do too
0: same work-life balance Stopped existing in two thousand and four. Do you know what happened in two thousand and four? I think it was two thousand and four. I might be totally making
1: this up because no, I actually I don't was know. Twenty nine. I was no uh-huh. iPhones. Oh, was that two thousand and four? I thought
0: it was two thousand and seven.
1: Maybe fact check me. Maybe the smartphone First. came out in two thousand and four, but the yeah. iPhone didn't come out until two thousand and seven. Fair. Because I, I think I remember that because that's the year my son was born. Was 07.
0: Yeah, fair. So, but this this smartphone time. Really screwed with our ability to stay segmented between work and life
1: because we got email on our
0: phone We get email we get text message people can reach us all the time It becomes not uncommon to call people during and after dinner time. That was really weird when I was growing up You didn't mm-hmm. the only people that called your house after 7 p.m Was like when you were a teenager and you wanted to gossip with someone you had that cord that you had to like walk through your whole entire house But you, you didn't call If your phone rang after 930 at night, people were like, something
1: happened. Or you were like a doctor, a police officer or a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. Like, and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) The only person that I knew that had one of those like built in phones
1: into their cars was
0: a local lawyer.
1: It looked like a VCR.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So when you left your office or your workplace, people just didn't get in touch with you. It was over. Yeah. So there was a natural, when we talk about boundaries, we talked about this last time. There's a, like this continuum between integration and segmentation for boundaries. So there's this continuum integration to segmentation and boundary research. And integration is like enmeshment. Everything is like smashed together. It, it's no good. And mm-hmm. segmentation is everything is so super separate and that's not really healthy either. So there's, and every part of your life will be in a different space on that, on that continuum boundary research, boundary promotion and in the Instagram world right now is all about segmentation and and I think it's gone too far because integration is where we ask for help and where we stay connected to our communities oh, and things it. like that okay. So we're in this like but I think we're we're striving so hard for segmentation because we don't have it naturally where we used to because we don't have it in that work life space so we're trying to create lines around other things to protect our time our energy our money our mental health. Right. So we're set, but we're segmenting the the wrong things. So we're like, I can't go out for girls night because I can't like manage you people. And I'm so tired, but then you're on the couch and you're reading emails at 8 PM. Like it'd be yeah. much healthier if you actually just went out with your girlfriends for an hour, but we can't pull apart. So I think it was the, the, the cell phone, the, the smartphone that really messed up this natural segmentation that we had between life and work and then you have people like us whose life is their work and vice versa there's not a lot of difference between who i am right now and who i am when i'm talking to people in the grocery store like i live this stuff all the time i'm thinking about it all the time but because i i love it and I do have to, on purpose, do things like puzzles sometimes so that my brain can like shut down. So when we're looking for more balance, which to me means looking for less time at work most of the time.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's the real real question.
0: That's the real thing here. We're not talking about work-life balance. We're saying, how do I actually get more of the life part? The answers are
1: around more segmented boundaries around your work. Okay. I'm going to pause you for a second for an ad break. And when we get back, I want you to talk more about that. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a one-dollar-a-month trial period at Shopify.com/noise. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's Shopify.com/noise noise. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it, at Mexican restaurants, or ask for directions, speak to merchants, without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc., Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. Okay, we're back. And we're back with a different microphone because Andrea was all discombobulated when we first started. <laughs> glad Kate is a friend and I did not have my microphone on. Sorry. The life part, please. Yes. Tell us how to get more life. Yeah,
0: the life part. We're trying to get more, more life, but we don't actually have the energy to do it. And we think that we don't have the time to do it. But that's probably not true because most of us are spending an hour a day on... Instagram, which is 360 odd hours a year, which is a l- too many days.
1: Well, and I, I want to pause you for a second because like I I feel because I've wondered about this as well. Cause I've gone through periods of time where I haven't done a lot of social media, and I've gone through periods of time where I have done a lot of social media, and I have found that it like it becomes a habit. And also, you know, I yes. think that it's turning my brain off, but it's probably not, and research. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to tell us that, that that's the case. I wonder if it's just a different form of stimulation. It's just like I'm just getting dopamine in a different way.
0: You're getting too much dopamine too fast, mm-hmm. too frequently. What it does is that dims down our ability to enjoy being without it. It's an It's an addiction thing. And I say that with full absolute knowledge that I am someone that is on their phone six hours a day. Sometimes it's work, sometimes it's it's Spotify, but my phone is on six hours a day on average. So I'm not judging anybody for doing this. You will find me on Instagram as soon as you get off this episode, probably. You look and you'll have like a little red dot or the green dot next to my name that says I'm active. Like that's so I'm not I'm not there's no judgment here. When you when we are constantly scrolling and looking for that next thing to pop up, that next thing to interest us, that next thing we're getting dopamine, 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 dopamine. And it becomes such that it becomes really difficult for us to sit and be without that input because we become so accustomed to it. So spending time with people that you love and doing hobbies and activities is less interesting unless you can Instagram it, (laughs) unless there's a picture, unless there's proof, unless it's like, when was the last time you hung out with your friends and did not bring your phone? Usually, just during meals, and most people don't even get through a meal. Your cheers that you're doing a boomerang with your martinis, you're taking a picture of your of your food for the gram. My
1: friend, my friend Rachel just shows me guys that she's hooking up with on her phone,
0: (laughs) which is and it can be used as a connection factor. And I'm not anti phone. It just is one of the things that makes it difficult for us to have separation. That makes us feel like we have influence over the part that's just our lives. Mm -hmm. That's not our
1: work. So is the answer putting your phone away and like figuring out hobbies? I do that a lot with my clients too. Like most of my clients have no idea what it is that they actually enjoy. What they like. You don't need to have a hobby now because you can sit on TikTok and watch other people do their hobbies.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Right. But getting back into things that you actually enjoy, that you end up prioritizing take some of that over and when you're actually spending time doing things that you enjoy you feel like you have access mm-hmm. to your life. When you are working all day and instagramming at at night or netflixing or whatever the heck I don't I mean I don't mean to bash instagram I love instagram. But when you're in that mode it doesn't feel like you're actually doing anything because you're not really experiencing anything except for a dopamine rush. But what would happen if two days a week you went for an hour long or 45 minute long hike with a friend afterward? And I know people have kids. Not everybody can do that. After, I'm not saying that that's the ideal solution for everybody. Just throwing out an idea. Just an example. How much different do you feel about the quality of the time that you spend in your life and how much different does that make what you, the time that you spend at work? The time you spend at work is on your phone and on your computer. The time you spend at home is on the TV and on the phone. What are we doing without Mm -hmm. screens? So, I think the real work life balance now is getting away from screens. That's the boundary, not just phones, but screens. I personally suck at it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask a a similar question along those same lines. It's like, I'm thinking about someone listening who's like really struggling with work life balance. Well, let me ask you that. Like, the people that you talk to who, you know and and keep in mind this this podcast the vast majority of them are are women they're high achievers they're probably yeah. many of them have a lot of they're the primary caregiver which is a you know another conversation yeah. for another expert around not getting the equal help that needs to be distributed in the house where else should they look in terms of trying to find a solution besides what well i mean i'm assuming cuz what pops into my head is they might need to set better boundaries at work yeah in terms of what people's expectations are, I had a client who one of her assignments was to stop answering emails from the shower, and I was like, "You answer emails in the shower?" So it was things like that. Or um, I had another client who had to give her her team a heads up, and and luckily they were like encouraging about it that she was not going to be replying to emails while she was on vacation. Which should be a given. Oh, it's not. Though. But it was her. You know, she she was the one who was feeling so much anxiety.
0: Europeans are like, we're going on vacation for a month. Bye. And everybody's like, bye. Americans are like, I'm about to have major surgery. But if you really need me, I'll be out of anesthesia in like two hours. I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. that's th- this is this is also a cultural thing. The people that are listening already know what things they need to move away from. Mm -hmm. I had to delete a game from my phone. Yeah, like they're smart. They know already. They're listening and they're like, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to do it, which is fine. That's a choice, which is okay. Some people are like, I'm going to try. Other people are like, screw you. I'm going to scroll TikTok, which is totally fine. Did you have to delete Candy Crush? Uh, No, it wasn't Candy Crush. It was Two Dots.
1: Oh, you told me about that when
0: we Yeah, I was spending a (laughs) lot of time
1: on Two Dots. I've had to delete Candy Crush before.
0: And then you can get it back sometimes and get... but. Uh, When you can't necessarily leave the house, like being in nature without a phone is good for so many reasons. There's infrared that comes out of trees that it gets into your mitochondria. Like there's all sorts of really great reasons to be in nature without a phone when you can or at least not looking at it. But if you are so overwhelmed that you can't do stuff like that put a puzzle out on it. Take half the kitchen table that no one ever sits on that half anyway. We all have that like (laughs) section of the counter or the table that no one uses. Like put a puzzle out. There are now these little, they're often touted as like ADHD games, but they work really well for all sorts of things. There's now these little uh, gem paintings that you have to, it's like a color by number and you take these little gems and stick them to a page and then you get this like little postcard size. And you just, it's really, you just have to focus and, concentrate and move the gems, but you're actually doing something with your hand-eye coordination. You're actually focused on something that's not a screen. You are creating something that, so there's a result at the end of it for that extra dopamine hit. There's so many ways that we can be in the house and take five minutes at a time to do something that will make us feel like we're not always in a working mode. So that we can start to create that segmentation again in the right place because we do need it in the right place. And now we're, we're just segmenting the wrong things. We're segmenting from our communities. We're segmenting from, but those are not that we need those things. Those yeah. are every research study says the happiest people have the strongest communities. It's like over and over and over again, we get this research,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that's what we're segmenting out to try and save ourselves right
1: now. And it's like that we're we're, it's the wrong thing. I have a feeling that for the people listening who who are listening to this, because it has, you know, work-life balance in the title, and I have, a, because I know this audience pretty well now that we have 550 episodes, that the answer is in exactly what you were talking about around the phones and... The dopamine and like getting comfortable doing things that aren't on our phone because it's going to feel probably boring at first. Like, yes, what do you mean I'm going to crochet without Netflix on? Or maybe you start crocheting with Netflix on and then you know move to music, phase out exactly. And then I think it's also they know that they have to have conversations at work. Yes, that are probably going to be difficult, which they should definitely listen to the last podcast episode that that I had you on. And also it's help at home, and
0: sometimes that help. Sometimes you're going to get it from your partner if you have a certain amount of conversations and effort from both sides and all that. And sometimes you're not. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that help at home is hired if you can afford it. Sometimes that help at home is buying the pre-cut onions Mm -hmm. and eating on paper plates on a week that you're real busy because that's what you can do. Sometimes the help at home is taking shortcuts. 100%. And I want to give people permission to do that. I am typically a very like pro recycling, don't use too much paper kind of person, but when you're in a week and you know you're in a week, you've got a ton of work, your kids are busy, somebody has a last minute science project and your partner is traveling, buy paper plates, use pre-cut veg, order pizza
1: and move on. That reminds me of another client. It's so funny. I'm thinking of all these clients who really are struggling with work-life balance. She had on her, because I always ask clients before we start working together, what's your primary focus? Like, what are you bringing into coaching? What do you want us to to get results on? And one of hers was that she wanted to make sure that, and I, she has three kids, that they have um, like better nutritious meals at, at home during the week. Yeah. And so she's, you know, we're strategizing how she's going to do this and it's work, you know, it's like the prepping and the shopping and it was going to be all on her. She knew it was going to be all on her and uh, she tried it for a week and then she goes, you know what? I don't actually think this is all that important to me. Exactly. And it was one of those values that like... She's like, I'm okay if we do like frozen pizza every week, once Mm -hmm. a week. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's just kind of on their own. Chicken nuggets on Tuesdays. She realized that the balance was (laughs) more valuable to her to not have to worry about all of the work that goes into creating this thing that she felt was more valuable.
0: I had a client ages ago who sat down and started walking me through like kind of how she wants her ideal day, you know, like we did the ideal day exercise Mm -hmm. and we're going through the ideal day. And I I looked at her when I finished. I said, well, I see a little bit of a problem. She said, what? I said, well, we're at 27 hours and we haven't added in sleep yet. (laughs) The things that you think you're supposed to accomplish in a day are absolutely positively unreasonable. The, this is not an actual life that can be lived without mass amounts of cocaine and an early heart attack.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can't, you literally that. can't do this. It's not like we're at 27 hours, there's no sleep. So we need to start what, what we call this, and my coaching practice is life pruning, mm-hmm. right? Cutting away the things that your resources are feeding, but are not actually necessary and or bringing you anything, and or helping your growth. They're like impeding you. They're just keeping you the same damn plant you've always been, when what you want is something different. You have to prune. So we had to go through and start pulling things out and saying, does this really matter right now? Does this really matter right now? Does this really matter
1: right now? I like that you add the right now. Right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to change. I have to do a values exercise every year.
1: I I recommend that. You think
0: my... Values were the same during COVID as they are right Mm -hmm. now. Hell no. Life is different. You're going to change. You're going to evolve. You're going to need different things. But what do we need to do to your day right now so that we can bear it down to something that's livable so that you can live it for a week, a month, and then double back and say, okay, what's working? What's not? I don't actually need to create three square meals a day for three children on top of everything mm-hmm. else that I do. I realize that now. But you have to put something into play and try it out before you know. We, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around the fact that we can think our way into the lives that are
1: good mm-hmm. for us. We can Pinterest our instead way. of,
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you have to practice it and try it out just like this your your client is a beautiful example of that. You are never going to know exactly what's going to work for you or how it's going to work and none of us can tell you until you give it a whirl and see how it feels to you. There's no other way to do it. It's so annoying, but you do have to trial and error yourself.
1: It is annoying, and and I know it's harder for some people. Some people are more willing to like kind of take the action quickly and learn retroactively. Do we have a better name for it than work life balance? Like, or or maybe a better question is like, and I know you kind of just named it, but like, can we kind of summarize like what people should expect? Like the end result will be in work life balance. I'm assuming like part of it is like they're not going to get everything they want. No, no one ever gets anything, everything they want. I don't
0: think. And people that tell you that they have everything they want are probably bullshitting you. I think that. What we're really going for in psychological terms is a move from external locuses of control or loci of control Mm -hmm. to internal loci of control. Usually we talk about the locus of control only as, as one thing, but I think there are many things. So when you are in this place where work is taking over and work is in control and work is bleeding into your life, you're in this place where work is an external locus of control in your life. It's influencing you. It's happening to you it's interfering with you. When you have a stronger internal locus of control, you influence your life. You have not control, influence. Mm -hmm. It's called a locus of control, but that's a misnomer. It's really about this idea that I can affect how I live. I have influence over how my day goes. I can make decisions that are autonomous and have effect on what happens in my life. Can I control everything? Of course not. So when you decide that you are going to live more, that you want more life out of your life, you do have to have those conversations at work and create those boundaries and create space for yourself and try out a hobby and or whatever it happens to be. You have to do those things on purpose, but when you do them on purpose, you're giving yourself that influence back. The the big shift is from feeling like life is happening to you to feeling like you are influencing your life, that you are the center of what happens in your life, even though, again, you're not going to control everything. You might be planning to go for a run every day and it might pour tomorrow morning and you might say, I'm not doing that. And that might be a great option. I don't run in the rain.
1: I used to bugger off. And it was I used only to too. Like, prove a point. <laughs> Yeah, I was like twenty eight and
0: trying to be a badass. Yeah, exactly.
1: I ran in the snow too. Is, yeah, so did I. Oh, no more. I was prepping for cross country season. <laughs> now I just watch it from the window with my coffee. Exactly, it's very romantic.
0: And so I think that's what the the shift really and the thing that we're expecting is an internal belief and in sensation that you are actually at the center of your life and that the decisions you make influence the quality of the life you're living. Mm -hmm.
1: That is very, very true. We're going to take one more ad break and then I want to ask you about burnout recovery because I think there's a lot of people listening who need to hear about that. Be right back. Bills and other things to pay for don't just come bi-weekly, and neither should your paycheck. The money you earn can be in your hands today with EARNIN. EARNIN is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the EARNIN app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access, plus tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use EARNIN for unexpected doctor visits, vet bills, or even extra self-help books. Make EARNIN a part of your financial routine and join EARNIN's over 3.5 million customers who say things like, when I think about EARNIN, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download EARNIN today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It's really helpful to the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnincom slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. Look, I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a long-time partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com/noise. That's drinkag1.com/noise. Check it out. Okay, on your website, you talk about how for some burnout recovery can take about five years. So can we back up a little bit? Cause I, I can't remember if you talked about this in our other episode or not. Can you can you sort of describe like where someone is at to where they know that they are in burnout and like some recovery needs to happen?
0: So most of the time, by the time people are deciding that recovery needs to happen, they're like actually physically unable to do their job and their life. Mentally and physically. Yeah. Like they, they can't all of it. They just actually can't do it. And they are being super self-judgmental and it's a really hard thing to face. So people are usually in a pretty strong place of desperation. Like I've been able to do this for 20 years. Like, but I actually literally can't yeah. right mm-hmm. now. So and, and so that's usually when people are coming for help when they're already at the, like at the wall. Yeah. And burnout recovery taking up to five years, the reason that I write that is because when you don't have help to help you see all the things, as a coach, you know that this ability to see possibility and option magnifies when you're with another person. It's really hard to do that only by yourself. It's really hard to look at really what's possible and engender new possibilities when you're on your own. It, it, we're just we're not great at it as humans. And when you're burnt out, you're even worse at it. There's a whole brain science behind it. We don't need to get into it. But it's really hard for you to see possibility at that moment. You get moment. stuck in the one so perspective when you're, you're in. You get, yeah. exactly, exactly. And then what happens is you make one change and you make a little bit of progress. And so you think you're done.
1: Well, because you feel such relief in that one thing, even just a little bit of relief. Feels so Mm -hmm. different
0: from how you've been feeling that you're like, cool, I've got a handle on it. But then two weeks later, you're like, oh, I don't have a handle on it. And so you stay in this sort of cycle of like barely getting better, getting enough better that you think you can ignore it and then realizing you can't ignore it. And then getting a little bit better and then getting enough better to think that you can ignore it and then ignoring it and then realizing you can't ignore it. And we go on and on and on. That It takes so long. Because burnout recovery really is peeling onions. There's so many layers that need to happen. There's going to be so many practices that you need to engage with. And they're all going to happen. They can't all happen at the same time because you can only get to the next layer after the first layer, you know, like you can't you can't get there faster than you can get there. So with support. Burnout recovery, full burnout recovery, to where you're not afraid of burnout. You feel like it's not going to happen to you. You're, you've got that internal locus of control. Full burnout recovery with support is 12 to 18 months. Without support, could really, it could never happen. You're going forever because you're, you're just on that cycle. I was on the
1: cycle personally for seven years. I probably was too. It, it, my experience was not having any real, um, specific support around it. So I feel yeah. like with my burnout, I'm just slapping Band-Aids on.
0: Right, exactly. Which like, it
1: works until it doesn't. Exactly. And then I got Hashimoto's. My body was like, fuck it, off. Me too. Uh huh. Same.
0: My body was like, bye, friend. We're not into you anymore. <laughs> Get some iodine. <laughs> right. It just wasn't. It just stopped working. So it took me seven years to actually ask for help because I didn't know what was going on. And then, when I help people, I only work with people for three months, knowing that the process takes longer, and also knowing that I'm only one of the layers.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't need me for the whole time. You need the next thing when it's time for the next thing next helper, yeah, somebody once said to me, but you should be working with people for a full year. It's more consistent income. It's more, and I was like, that's not what I'm like of want consistent income. Them, clearly, but that's not. No, I my job is to dig people out of the muck. I get people when they are in the shit of it. I get you out of the shit of it, and then I give you to other people. <laughs> use somebody else's perspective to get you to the next place. Because also, when you use different people along the way, I believe what happens is you absorb different mindsets from different people and different perspectives from different people and having just one person i think can be a little bit limiting because my ideas are not broad enough for your whole life like i i'm just i'm really good at what i do but i'm i'm not all seeing i'm not all knowing i i can't i can't be all of that i
1: don't think anybody can you need other mentors you know and help yeah it's mm-hmm. interesting and i'm assuming like the layers and I, and this could be, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm separated now and just thinking about like looking back at my relationship patterns and things like that. And there's, there's so many unconscious cultural, social conditioning that's happened to me just around my relationships, specifically my relationships with men. And, and it, it's one thing to have the self-awareness around it. So like for people experiencing burnout and their habits around, you know, quote unquote, work-life balance, their habits around work and personal boundaries and things like that, like they'll see it and then real and get excited because they're like, oh, that's where that came from. Oh, look at that. And it's, it's kind of exciting when you start, well, at least if you're personal development junkie, like, me and my listeners, it, it's kind of exciting to to feel that like um acknowledgement and relief from like, oh, that's where that came from. and then you like walk start walking through your life again like la 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 la, I'm so smart, and then you just keep repeating the same fucking patterns. <laughs> at least I am, and I'm like, God damn it. So it, I say all that because I think that points to what you were saying like I think with burnout recovery, many times it's like three steps forward, two steps back. yes, it is. And I think one of the things that I,
0: I think it was, it was some like Greek philosopher that said this, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. The same man never steps in the same river twice because it's not the same river and he's not the same man. So this idea that when we come back to the same problems, if we recognize that we are actually not the same person that faced this problem last time, that we are actually a different person, that we actually have different skills, that we actually have learned things along the way. And there are some similarities here, but what is different? What's new? What's shifted? Maybe it's just me that's shifted. Maybe it's me that I shifted. And the only shift is that I noticed it faster. Maybe that's the maybe that's the shift. But I think what we do is we say, oh, my God, it looks the same. That means I'm making the same mistake. Ah, I still broken. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no. And I disagree with that completely. You're coming to the same place, but you are not the same person. You have grown and you have learned and your eyes are open and now you've seen it. And now you have the power to make a different decision. Go you. You did it. That means to me,
1: that means you did it. That's what like real growth looks like. Yes, I tell people all the time. It's not like you go from A to Z, you know, like doing the, the problem and then there's a solution and you don't do it anymore and you're completely like fixed and cured and that's not what it looks like. I no. tell my listeners all the but time, but it's not like, the same river. How, the mistakes I continue to make, and the but yeah. but the self like for instance like the negative self talk that I have now looks very different from the negative self talk I had 15 years ago when I started doing the work. Right. And like I promise people, like once you get the self awareness that you gain from listening to this podcast and reading all the books, it will make an, a positive impact, whether you feel like it is or not. And I also want to point out yeah. that beating yourself up over it and feeling like you're not getting anywhere is burnout culture. Right? Yes. <laughs> like you should exactly. be farther. And I
0: think as soon as you get to that place where you're beating yourself up the shift is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm if I'm not the same woman and this is not the same river then what's different? Look for them on purpose. Find the different. Look at the two pictures side by side like you're a kid in the dentist office and it's 1986
1: highlights magazine.
0: Yes. Find the differences. Mhm. Find five differences in these pictures. They are not exactly the same. So stop almost cheating yourself out of the opportunity to really learn by pretending that it's still the same. It's not the same. You're not the same. It's not the same. Look at the picture side by side. What are the differences? You've
1: got this. You guys can't see it right now, but Kate has a very serious face as she says this. So I hope you're listening and taking notes, which I'm sure they are. Well, I have to let you go. And can you tell people? So you, I want everyone to go and start listening to your podcast if they are experiencing burnout, if they don't want to experience burnout. like Tell us about the podcast and who it's for.
0: Pride the Burnout Podcast is for all people that are burnt out and need to recover. This is not a burnout prevention podcast. It is a burnout recovery podcast. Those things are different. If you want to know how they're different, the podcast will tell you all the time because we talk about this a lot. But this is specifically geared to people who are burnt out and are feeling lost to give people the hope and let them allow them to drop the shame, blame, guilt, and judgment that they might feel around mm-hmm. being burnt out. That's just not helping them. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then how, where do you want people to go to learn about how to work with you and anything else? Going to the podcast is the easiest all way. Things. Awesome. Everything's there. Awesome. Well, I have appreciated you so much. I'm so glad that that I have you on. It's always a pleasure. And everyone, thank you for listening. Yeah, no. I appreciate your time. I'm so grateful that you choose to spend it with me and my guests. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.